Hi, it's Aidan Williams here, and it's another episode of the Man in the Mirror podcast. I hope you're well, I hope you're having a good week, and I hope you're ready to hear a bit more about skincare, grooming, fragrance, self-care, and all those good things. Um, on the Man in the Mirror podcast, I talk to a guest or guests each week about their life and about work, and about those key items in their bathroom cabinets, those those things they can't do without, and those things they might take away with them in a, in a toilet bag. Um, this week, I have two guests, two for the price of one. It's Laurent Delafonte and Chris Yu, who are the co-founders of fragrance brand Austin's. I came across Austin's a few years ago, and um, they have beautiful fragrances, and, and one of them, Cedarwood Heart, is one of my absolute go-tos and my, one of my favourites. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about that a bit more as we get into the podcast and talk to Chris and Laurent. But in the meantime, it's me, Hayden Williams, and it's Chris Yu and Laurent Delafon from Austin's on the Man in the Mirror podcast. Here we go. Welcome along to another episode of Man in the Mirror. It's Hayden Williams here. And this week, I have um, double the fun, double the pleasure, two guests. It's Laurent Delafon and Christopher Yu, who are the co-founders of Austin's. Hi, guys. Hello. Hi, Aidan. How are you? Great, thanks. All uh, very good here. Thank you so much for joining me. And um, I, I should say, I, I, I met Chris and, and Lauren actually first um, a few years ago, actually quite early in me getting more interested in in fragrance and, and this whole kind of world. And I went along to the Austin's showroom in, in central London here in the UK. And I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit later. But I have to say, um, Austin's and, and Lauren and Chris in particular were, were very welcoming and kind. And and Lauren gave such a fascinating, he, he gave me you know a good hour of his time, he gave me such a fascinating insight into not only the brand, but also fragrance and, and ingredients. And he, he was one of the first people I I sort of properly met within the industry. So I'm really thrilled and delighted that um, they've both come on the podcast today. So okay, it'd be great to find out a bit more about Austin's really. How, how did it come about? And because um, I know you both have a, a background in the industry, but how did Austin's start and when and where and all those good things? Hayden, I love how, that you told us about how you got into the industry as such, because basically I think that's how everyone gets into the industry. Really, you know, just and a, an interest. Yeah, a passion. You know, it's it's not something, if you think back, it's not something we get taught in school. Oh, yes, guidance counsellor, careers day, you could be in fragrance. <laughs> so it, it, it's more of it's something true. that we, we, we all end up discovering and then going deeper and falling in love with. Yeah. And I would say um, I feel very, uh, very touched that uh, you, you enjoyed the, the time we spent together uh, at Ostens and that it helped shape your understanding of perfumery or, or at least it piqued your curiosity. It's good to know I wasn't rambling for an hour plus uh, without purpose. So, so that's, that's always helpful. But I, th I think the, what, what Chris says about um, you fall into the, the, the perfume world or into a passion or in discovery of perfume. It's very, it's not just a discovery per se. It's very often an encounter. Yeah. And I know that for my part, I was not at all interested in fragrances until the one day I stepped into the diptych 
original store on Boulevard Saint-Germain in Paris. And I was looked after by none other than the managing director of the company, Mohamed Latawi. Oh, wow. And I realized how through his passion, I re it started something in me. And I think that it's good that to have those encounters and those moments to talk about perfume because that's the only way to think of perfume, really, through conversation. Yeah. Were you living uh, in Paris long? I was living in London, believe it or not. Oh, and okay. I, had, I had never heard of Diptyque before. And I, I bought a, a soap at Harrods and I thought the illustration on the box of soap was really, really cute. I didn't think so much about the smell. And I realized there was an address written on the box. I thought, hmm, that sounds interesting. Last uh, Next trip I, I'm in Paris, I go and check it out. And lo and behold, that was it. I, th I think, you know, the great thing about these is, is that it really tells us that it's just that chance moment. This, you can plan so much in your life and yet it all comes down to this sort of chance encounter. And, and after that, you know, I met Laurent and for seven, eight years later, we were working with this, at the time, a pioneer uh, in home fragrance and, and niche fragrance, Diptyque. And, and we learned everything off, mm. off Diptyque. I, you know, I, I always let Laurent go first because that story is way more glamorous than about a kid <laughs> in Lower Hutt, New Zealand, which is the what we call a bogan town, which is basically white trash town. Oh, I don't even think I can say that anymore. Um, the, <laughs> I was, I think you know the the earliest memory for me in fragrance um, was I think I was thirteen, and it was my birthday, and my grandma bought me this bottle of. Um, aftershave, um, very sophisticated of my grandma. I still remember it. It was called Oxford Blue and it was like a kind of like a Yardley of New Zealand yeah. type uh, toiletries brand, um, a gift set. And it just opened up this world. And for me, fragrance has always been a way of escaping and dreaming and sort of the glamour of what it represents, especially in a semi-rural small town in, in New Zealand. Um, it was before the internet, before magazines, you know, were shipped across the world. And, and it was just the only way I could imagine a world outside of little New Zealand. It's funny, isn't it? You know, because um, people might have different stories like that of, of different sort of sensory things. And, you know, but the, the, the theme of escape is often there. And sometimes it's music or art or, or dance. And I, I love that for you, it was, you know, this world kind of opened up through through a fragrance your grand bought you. Love it. It's great, isn't it? <laughs> so I owe my entire career to my grandmother. <laughs> Thanks, Chris's granny. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I feel the same. I think for me, it was, looking back now, it felt like it was always there in the background. And, you know, I always liked fragrance and always had, you know, one or two on the go. And, I, you know, I, I, I liked that world. But I think... Sometimes, yeah, there's something that kind of spikes a, a particular curiosity and it all opens up into technicolor and just, you know, and, and meeting people like you, Laurent, you then just sort of fall down a rabbit hole, don't you, and want to find out more. And I think this, you know, part of this podcast is my discovery of, you know, loving fragrance, but then it's kind of extended further into wanting to know a bit more about grooming and skincare because lo and behold, when you start finding one world interesting and caring a bit more about how you smell, then it naturally sort of extends into, oh, you know, I'd like to put something good on my face that is, you know, has good efficacy and also is doing good and smells great and, and all these things. And then before you know it, you're spending too much money like I do on, on all these different things. Um, 
it would be great. And, and having two guests is, is even better because we can get more insight. But um, could you tell Chris, actually, first of all, could you tell me a bit about some of those key items in your sort of grooming and skincare regime? I mean, do you have a regime, first of all? Are there, are there certain things that you do? And do, you have, you, do, do you have do four you? hours to talk through my 20-step <laughs> Korean skincare patting <laughs> regime? Um, you yeah. should have started with me. You should have started with me. I've got three. Oh, God. We'll do an extended, um, you know, with director's cut, Chris, for, for later on. But uh, pick out your highlights, if you would. <laughs> yeah, it was, this was the hardest question because I literally could go go through every step and why in about, oh, great. you know, four hours. Um, you know, I think the, the number one thing I would pick out is uh, a topical chemical exfoliant. So for anyone that doesn't know, it's basically instead of a facial scrub, you use a, a, a lotion that just, you know, exfoliates your skin. And I, I grew up with extremely bad acne. I went through such a, you know, terrible mental health stage of having this sort of pizza face for want of better Ooh. description and, and going on the strongest types of prescription medicine, which mess with everything else. And it really wasn't until quite later on in sort of my late 20s, early 30s, that here in the UK, I was introduced to this product. It's Paula's Choice 2% Salicylic Acid Liquid. That's very specific because it's the liquid. They do four different versions, but only the liquid works for me. Right. Um, and that's how specific I am now about my skin. And, and it just changed everything. And it was this very gentle way of cleaning out the pores. And, and I think that's what changed everything because it made me think I didn't have to scrub my face off. So this idea of cleanliness um, and stripping the skin it was yeah. what I was doing beforehand, but it was actually aggravating you know me. And, and ever since I've used that product, which is probably the oldest product in my regime, the only one I never veer off or try a different version of yeah. um, because it, it did transform everything. But the reason why I love that product as well is because it's a single ingredient and it Single ingredients is something that keeps popping up in in my world and personal as well as work life. Um, and I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about how we were inspired by that later on with Austin's because it's very much mm. about ingredients. But it's it was the moment that instead of just using skincare, there was a, a way of educating myself, but going down this world of, you know, what works for me. And, and it's almost meditative in terms of, not just buying into an idea or a dream or someone selling you something, but discovering a product that works just for me in some ways. Yeah. And Chris, does that stop, does that product kind of stop breakouts then? Is it, yeah. Other so things were drying it, you out. And yeah. So it's, 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 salicylic acid is slightly moisturizing anyway, um, but it's also a topical anti-inflammatory, antibiotic in some ways. And it, it just is great for if you've got ingrown hairs, beards, mm. um, acne, um, very, you know, like breakouts every so often. Um, basically anything. It's a bit of a miracle product. Do you apply that twice a day? Uh, start with one couple of times a week and then work up to however much you need. I use it every day now um, at night, but that you know, it's totally flexible. And I love that about that product as well. And I was really interested in, you know, you're talking about adolescent acne. And, and again, it's not, you know, you'd think it might have done, but it's not something that's come up in, in the podcast before. I mean, if you're comfortable saying, I mean, the kind of psychological side of that, is, is that something that um, 
that you still think about now? Were, were people giving you a hard time or was it more kind of, was it, was it how you were viewing yourself more, do you think? I think t- teenagers are the worst, right? Because we just, yeah. you know, we, we pick on whatever's different about someone, even if it's kind of amazing, you know, yeah. if they're good at sport or if they're good at music or whatever. And you kind of, you know, they, they pick on that. And for me, it was something I couldn't hide. You know, this yeah. was the days yeah. in the early sort of mid eighties that you, you didn't have concealers and things that certainly a teenage boy could go access. But they um, might have even, that, I mean, that kind of stuff might have even made it worse as well, you know. Yeah, um, exactly. You know, I don't know. And so um, I lived for probably 20 years with quite severe acne. Um, was it that long? And, yeah, it was It was from the moment I had puberty right up until sort of uh, just before I turned 30 in many ways. Mm. It's only now after sort of a decade of actually not messing up with my skin and not scrubbing it to death that it's yeah. calmed down and, and it's kind of gone back to normal in some ways. But it's funny, isn't it, how some people are quite, you know, some people have quite a, a sort of limited skincare regime. But I guess for you, it's become something, you know, and, and hearing how passionate you are about it, it's obviously something that's, you know, actually important to you and, and it's had a real sort of tangible effect in how you feel about yourself and and your skin. It's not just a kind of nice to have part of your day. It sounds like it's become really integral to, to sort of how you, how you look. Yeah. I mean, I, you... I, I'd actually admit that, if, you know, I, once my, I was flying and my luggage was lost and I was panicking more about where I could get it yeah. in the South of Spain <laughs> rather than, you know, my trip. So, you know, it's the yeah. sort of thing that I, I guess it becomes a little bit of a crutch in some ways, but, um, you know, it did, really transform my skin. So it's the product that I would recommend to anyone that struggles with any sort of breakouts for whatever reasons, but whether they be hormonal or just, you know, actual, um, de- you know, weekly, you know, irritations. Yeah, that, that's really useful. And and then in terms of shaving, grooming, are you a, a daily shaver? Do you have a, a regime there? Um, I am the laziest shaver in the world. I use an electric shaver and I Again, I, I, I plane my skin off by just shuffling it over. Um, mm. I never really learned to, you know, Chinese don't have the same, for some reason, I don't think have the same pace, speed of hair growth. And so, like my dad didn't wet shave, he was an electric shaver. And I think mm. so much of all of that gets, you know, um, given to you as a young boy from the other person in your household which you know goes yeah. through that process and in my case it was my father and he had an electric shaver and so i thought well that's what i will do um mm. I, i've tried to wet shave i think once in my life and obviously hacked my skin um, <laughs> yeah. be- because i this was tissue before everywhere and, yeah. yeah before you you know you could watch tutorials on how to do it properly you know with the grain not against sort of thing but imagine um, a world without youtube guys yeah i know you know, especially for happened. skincare <laughs> yeah, so so I I'm a sort of two minutes with an electric shaver in the morning and and done. Great. And Laurent, how about you in terms of you know outside of the fragrance world, are, are there products that you swear by and, and and have with you every day? Well, I come at it from a fairly different uh, point of view because uh, I've got the opposite problem, i.e., uh, my. Uh, Pilosity and uh, facial hair grows way too fast. So mm. actually applying uh, beauty products can be a bit of a bit of a chore. Yeah. And it can be depending on the formulations, 
can be actually really, really counter-effective. You know, making your skin greasy um, by having big clumps of products attached to 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 hair, hair. and blotchy yeah, yeah. blotchy things, uh, blotchy moisturizers and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I tend to have a fairly simple routine, which is uh, a face wash every day in the shower, whatever is available. Uh, depending, most of the time I'm traveling, so. Um, whatever I can travel with or whatever I can find. I'm, and I'm is it literally that you, you know, I don't know about your your sort of household arrangement, would it, would it be simply if it's the same thing as a partner's or would you have a specific face whatever, wash for you? Whatever, whatever is in front of me, whatever yeah, is in front of me in the shower, literally. Fine. Yeah. Um, and uh, a scrub, a facial scrub-like type, a fairly abrasive one. So very much the opposite of what Chris just described. Mm. Having a fairly abrasive one, like a type of a Aesop or something like that, yeah. that can uh, slough through the through the beard, basically <laughs> yeah. through the facial hair. Um, and and really, I tend to trim every three four days or so uh, with an electric uh, with a beard trimmer. Yeah. Uh, I used to wet shave, but that became just too much of a hassle to do it properly every day. It was taking uh, too much time out of my um, out of my uh, my day. So yeah. I do the I do the be- I do the bear trimmer thing every three four days, and that's usually when I tend to apply um, whatever moisturizer or whatever um, serum exists on the shelves at home. Um, I am a very um, equal opportunity uh, you know, <laughs> user it really is whatever is is uh, whatever you can pass its uh, whatever hasn't passed its sell by date or is used by date uh, product and uh, and then I, i'll try it on um and then spf in summer that's for sure uh, that's that's the one that's thing good i would, uh, I would yeah. just uh, definitely apply but I my, mean, I, my I only key... started that sorry i only started that but since doing this podcast as well and the, you know the gospel of SPF and uh, I've, you know, I've definitely sort of added that to my regime and mm. I think you know I'm nearly 50 so I think it's sort of it's a good thing to try and preserve my, uh, my skin as but, long as possible so yeah yeah good thing but better late than never uh, uh, well yeah fund, for sure I hope so, I hope so. <laughs> and, um, and uh, f- for me the, the key the key part of the routine though is uh, scented shower gel that's my uh, uh, okay that that's my that's my thing i've got a i've got a love uh, i've got an addiction uh, actually for a french brand called uh, roger galet which oh, is I know. very very beautiful yeah. very very it classic fragrances and this is yeah. my thing that's my uh, you can that it, i can i can't do without it's also it's one of um that brands of i've found in hotels sometimes and it always feels like a real mm-hmm. luxury isn't it to get some roger galet oh fantastic and and do you you try different um, different fragranced uh, shower products, then, or do you tend to go for the same one? Try them all. Try them all. I'm, yes, I mean, it's just because it's it's pleasant, you know. When there yeah. is the olfactive element uh, interwoven with a product, if the product is pleasant on the skin, then the scent is an extra an extra yeah. dimension, which I which I quite enjoy and I, I find quite uh, quite interesting always. Well, it's, it sounds like the um, the olfactive element is something that sort of inspires you much more than the, the skincare and the grooming. So in, in terms of that, obviously we could talk for a long time about favorite fragrances and, you know, that's not really the sort of heart of this, but just in terms of today, if I could ask each of you 
starting with Chris, what what, um, what fragrance have you gone for today? Oh my God, that's like the hardest question ever. No, just just what you wear. <laughs> just what you're wearing. The, not, the one not, you're wearing. The one you just <laughs> made this morning. No, not no, like, no. What do you like? For, for me, it's again. It's, you think if I'm going to do a forty step skincare routine, I'm going to spray one fragrance. Oh, okay. <laughs> he's layering, no, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. So I every day I start uh, the fragrance routine. With, <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, yeah. No, no. Seriously. There, so in Austin's for um, for those who are not familiar, there's a um, we're very much inspired by ingredients, and so we have a preparation oil, which is a, a single note that perfumers get to use every day, but in an oil suspension um, that I put on as a base layer. And it's the one I use is cashmere and velvet, which gives everything a sort of worn in, lovely sort of vintage denim mm. slash cashmere blanket scarf type feel. And then I'll spray um, whatever I leave the house with on first. And then by lunchtime, I spray a different fragrance on top. And so, um, yeah, by the end of the day, I, I've sprayed about four things on top of this, this oil. Um, and oil makes uh, fragrance last longer. So if anyone ever suffers from, well, my fragrance doesn't last very long as, as spray it on moisturized skin or something with a bit more oil. That's a great tip. So the, the fragrances that you're going to layer on top of the oil is could it be you know, just things that you're sampling or wanting to try or is there a more sort of deliberate, oh, this is going to go with this, this is going to go with this or do you, can you end up with a sort of unholy mess sometimes? Um, I don't believe sure in you unholy don't. messes. <laughs> like, like, like great, great art, a lot comes from mistakes. Um, and, and I'm not a purist, so I, I don't really intellectually cerebrally go through the layering of all oh, this will match with that because i'm right. not a perfumer and and that's our brand neither laurent and i come from this as technical scientific chemist trained perfumers we come from it from the experiential side as laurent mentioned from the shower gel of you know that moment in the shower when you can breathe in the scent of the shower gel and yeah, for me yeah. it's it's just whatever i'm inspired by and that i'm this is. I'm going to come out on this this podcast. I have about twenty thousand fragrances um, from what? all across the different brands of the last sort of thirty years. So sometimes twenty thousand. Yeah, sometimes when I get up in the morning, I'm like, I'm just going to grab whatever my hand goes to. It's like throwing a dart at a, a map, <laughs> map of the world. Yeah, you must have uh, a big old set of shelves, or are they in many rooms? Um, half of it's at the office, um, so don't strike oh, yeah, a match no, I have near seen, the office. I have seen that. Yeah. yeah, and uh, the other half is uh, either in boxes or in the shelf that regularly sort of rotates uh, in my house, which is probably about to collapse because it's got about three hundred fragrances on a shelf. Yeah, I think the lesson with Chris is like if if he suddenly had to, you know, if a taxi had come and you'd just woken up and you've got two minutes, I think that's going to be a problem by the sound of the. The skincare regime, oh, yeah. the, the fragrance. I'm, I'm missing you that need flight. half an hour, right? An hour or <laughs> <laughs> about ninety minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Lauren, how about you? What are you wearing today? Is it many layers or just the one? Uh, just the one, I'm afraid. Um, but actually, yeah, remembered. Uh, I remembered that time we met uh, here in uh, in Austin's, and in particular, how you liked uh, the Impression Cedarwood Heart. Oh, so the, that's what I sprayed on this morning. Wow. Ah. Thank yeah, you, and I, getting coming prepared, coming prepared. Thank you. We can be brothers in scent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's we, we talked earlier actually before we came on the podcast about um, you know this idea of what fragrances you'd have on a desert island and all that, and you know this top tens and things, cause, which is always really hard. But but Austin Cedarwood Heart is um, yeah has a very special 
place in my heart because yeah, it was the conversations I had with Laurent, but but also yeah, it's just, just one of my absolute go-to's, and it's you know, the quality of the, the ingredients, but also the, the scent memories around uh, my, my grandfather, and it's got a kind of beautiful smoky sort of enveloping jacket, very very elegant, very sophisticated, but um, yeah, there's there's something really special about it. So um, yeah, it's. Definitely one of definitely one of my favourites. That's oh, I'm glad you I'm glad you're wearing that one today. Yeah. And it, it's a great fall fragrance as well. So this is it's matching yes. the weather as well. So absolutely. And and I've been to, I've been lucky enough to go to a couple of um, black tie ball you know evening do type things over the last year. And every time if I'm in a tux cedarwood heart, it um, just seems like the right kind of right kind of feel for me. Um, talking of of Austin's and and you know I think it's a good opportunity to to talk about the the brand a bit more. I think for me it's a, it's a really interesting well, it's a fabulous brand but you, it'd be great to hear a bit more about how you do it because some people might not be aware that there's a, there's there's a website but you have a, a showroom in in London in the UK but um the way you distribute and the way you get Austin's out to the world is is slightly different to some of the other brands, isn't it? Could you tell me a bit more about that? Yeah, Austin's really started from our passion. And dare I say, there was never any business thinking behind it. And Lahore and I sort of chose everything because whether it was the fragrance development or, or the route to market as such and how we reach our customer, purely because we wanted to be involved and call us control freaks. But I kind of see it as I love sharing our passion with the end customer. And so when we decided that, there was just no way at that point we could go out just straight into wholesale, which would mean that the product would sit on a shelf with hopefully a, a trained salesperson of the store, whether it be a department store, a perfumery or fashion store. And I would hope that someone would be able to talk about it, whereas we just wanted to control it. And basically, you know, yes, it's not always as scalable, but we love meeting our community and we love when people come into our showroom here in central London or when we host a pop-up and you know we get to just chat about perfume and, and fragrance and why they, they love it um, and so that's very much the guiding principle behind Austin's you know when we started this brand um, and still weirdly there is no other fragrance brand that I'm aware of that offers the experience to a customer to be able to smell the ingredients that the perfumers smell. So you, you get to smell unadulterated raw materials and you get to take them away with you, which again, outside of aromatherapy, which is a completely different approach, um, these different quality. things you don't get to try. Um, and if you think so about... So um, this is, sorry, I should explain this, with the the parfum with Austin's, you get a separate single ingredient oil, as you talked a little bit about before, Chris, and that's that's part of the it can be part of the package, isn't it? So you get the mm. the kind of inspiration note, I suppose, the single ingredient as a as an individual oil, as well as the the perfume that it inspired. Is that right? Exactly. And and that was the inspiration behind the brand Full Stop. So we wanted you to be able to, as a customer, be able to be inspired by that ingredient. And and and, and that's all it guide. That's the guiding principle behind everything that we do. It's we just want to share that passion that we have for perfume w with the customers. And Laurent, you 
in terms of the the Austin's range and, and how it all started, um, when we spoke, I mean, it was fascinating to to hear hear you describe it. And and essentially, as as, as I recall, I mean, you you were able to to get to work with some of the best perfumers in the world and and almost give them carte blanche. Is that is that right? That's exactly that. Um, the the idea, the starting point is the ingredient. So we selected. Yeah. Uh, out of the the collection, uh, the portfolio of around 400 natural ingredients at uh, an amazing supplier called Laboratoire Monique Rémy, um, we selected uh, four natural ingredients that we took to perfumers at uh, IFF, which is one mm-hmm. of the big uh, perfume uh, houses. And we basically told them, what do those ingredients inspire you creatively speaking what would you do with this ingredient and it was really interesting because the perfumers are usually challenged and in a very very framed way and here it was a very open challenge the only challenge was use this ingredient as the starting point for your creativity you can have a lot of it or very little of it you can make it very obvious or very discreet it can be structurally important in the fragrance it can be unimportant it's up to you mm. and so that that freedom was really interesting because that, that made people like uh, Dominique Ropion Alexis Dadier Bruno Jovanovic um, that made them that challenged them in ways that was quite unusual for them but which they all really okay. truly enjoyed and the yeah. creations that came out and that we we helped shape afterwards um, through corrections and through, through through slight tweaks and so on, those creations are real, unadulterated ideas and creations from those perfumers. They they were mm-hmm. not decided by uh, marketing uh, marketing boards. Yeah. They were market not research, decided you know. market research and so on. They were really yeah. the perfumers, their idea expressed through the fragrance, and our understanding of it and our refinement of it but actually it was really fascinating the way when you leave creative minds express themselves in a really truly free way the way they find a way straight to the original expression and to or to express themselves in an original way it's it's really fascinating Mm. i think and and austin's is a a prime example of a of a brand where you know the celebration of the the raw materials absolutely sits in front of you know marketing or branding and all that stuff and you know sometimes we talk about and it's not a sort of pejorative thing but we can talk about the difference between some of the designer brands where there's you know a big old conglomerate and, and there's celebrities and there's you know expensive campaigns you know with film stars and all that kind of stuff but but it, the difference here is the the star of the show is is the ingredient and and i guess for customers that's that's what they're paying for and that's what they're getting is is you know premium raw materials presented in a in a beautiful way but the the star of the show is the the raw materials right well it's like um like a chef or a restaurant i always say if you if you don't like fragrance that's fine but the process in to, to Austin's is, is more like when you go to a restaurant and you can taste the uh, 
in-season white asparagus or the Williams mm. pear or the Maya lemon that happens to be famous for the region or whatever. And then you get to see what the chefs do with it. And it's exactly that. I remember growing up in New Zealand in the 70s and everything baking-wise was made with vanilla essence. And I didn't know any different. And then I came to the UK and I remember going, I can't even remember where I went to. And there was a cake that was made with vanilla pod. And I was like, oh my goodness, what the hell is in this? It's amazing. <laughs> and it was yeah. just because for the first time in my life, you know, I got to experience the real thing. And I think that's yeah. very much the basis of what Austin's is all about. Imagine when you've always heard that this fragrance has an ingredient like rose or cedarwood or, or patchouli and, Actually, here's a fragrance with the real thing inside. And mm. here's the real thing you can smell right next to it. Um, and I think that's really what makes it so fascinating for us is that our customers really connect with that. And yeah. it, it, what's, what we've found is, is surprisingly a lot of men who pre potentially would be a little bit scared of coming into the fragrance world have really connected with this because you know I have a theory like with fashion or certainly my journey with fashion or skincare it was very nerdy it was very technical so I came into the world and enjoyed fashion because of um, you know finding out how barber waxes their jackets in a particular way and oh, wow. the process and so it wasn't necessarily about style it was about the nerdery around you know fab <laughs> fabricality and, yeah, yeah, technicalities. And I think a lot of men tend to, and I know I'm really genderizing here, but but tend to like to know how something's made, the processes. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and what we try and do here with Austin's, obviously, you know, being a brand very much led by, um, you know, two men here, we, we appreciate that that way in as well. And so we like sharing that with him. If you want to know more, you ask us all the questions. Yeah. Otherwise, if you just want to come in and smell it, no problem. We'll Crack spray on. it on yeah. you know, a piece of uh, a blotter, a muette, and then you can walk out. But there's a real transparency about that as well, isn't there? It's like, you know, it's again, it's not, you're not trying to hide what's in there or try and market the fact that there isn't, there isn't very much, you know, real ingredients in there. You know, people can come and, and talk to you and, and find out exactly what's in the fragrance, which I think is very refreshing. Um, it'd be great to talk, as I often do on, on Man in the Mirror, just about how you feel about your appearance and how you feel about the the men that look back at you in, in the mirror. I mean, Chris, Chris, you've already talked a little bit about your, your adolescence and, and skin and everything. Where are you now? Are you, are you in your... You're in your forties, Chris. Oh, you're so generous, and no. I'll take that. It's the it's the it's the end of the forties, I think. Yeah. Is the it's the technical term. Um, well, yeah. yeah. So I'm a couple of years off fifty, um, and it's the first uh, it's the first time in my life I can truly say it's not that I'm just happy with what I see in the mirror. I'm really grateful for it. You know, like when I go right, to that. the gym now, or I. I'm like, wow, my body can still do that. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. that's amazing. That, that as a tool, that as a machinery is phenomenal. And so I look at, you know, my skin and, and, and I look at my hair and I'm very lucky. I have Asian hair, which is very thick and there's no signs of it going anywhere at this point. Um, I, I sort of think, you know what, I'm really grateful for this and I'm really happy because I get to sort of celebrate that. And I know that sounds quite a bit woo-woo, but I, it's, it's not, as conscious as that, it's just a, a point where I'm like, yeah, we're good. Let's go. Let's get yeah. uh, 90 minutes later. Yes, let's go out the door. <laughs> no, I, don't, I mean, I don't think that sounds strange at all. And I, and I, I guess 
perhaps contrasting with maybe uh, sort of put these feelings on you, but maybe some of the feelings you had when you were younger. There's a contrast now to just you know celebration and and loving yourself oh, and, and feeling totally. happy, which is what a great thing. That's yeah, amazing. I mean, I, rem- I remember my mother when I was sort of teenage 16 I think and she said you don't realize I still feel 20 years old inside and I remembered that but I never really connected with it now I'm like hell I know how that feels and and yes there's still that sort of 16 year old in me that that is a bit self-conscious of my face but that's that I'm grateful for too because as a journey that's what's made me very self-aware of of mm. my feelings my appearance etc but now I get to live in it you know like it's it feels yeah. very like comfortable like imagine just every day being able to wear sweatpants or whatever it's that level of comfort in my own body yeah. and I think for me being sort of a child that was a very much overweight as well I, and then growing up in New Zealand which was a sporting culture I mm. never connected you know, with, uh, I felt like it wasn't for me. And now, at, like I said, nearly 50, I, I, I Are love, you into it now? Are you, yeah, you I love going to the gym. gym. I love being physical. And it's not because, mm. it, it just because it changes my appearance. That, that it, it almost is the last part of it. It's the meditative way that I can sort of be in my body. You know, there's nothing yeah. more yeah. grounding and making you more present than sort of the, the eighth rep of, you know, three sets where you're like, I'm literally focused on the next two seconds. Um, you know, my brain races a lot with, with certainly with work. Um, and I'm not great with meditation or those sort of apps that a lot of people find success with. I'm mm. not very patient. So I, f- I find I need physical things to slow me down. Yeah. And certainly exercise and, and weightlifting in this example is, is the only thing that just makes me stop. Yeah, thinking keeps you in the that, moment yeah, and be totally. present. Yeah, that's really interesting. And, and how about you, Lauren? Um, how, how do you feel when you look, when you see Lauren in the morning in the mirror? Well, despite the fact that uh, we are exactly the same age, um, I've had the inverse problem to Chris. Uh, w- when I was in my early 20s, people thought I, w- I was already in my mid-40s. So <laughs> it really is quite a... So God knows what they think, how old I am today. But, why was that, Laurent? Was, was, um, why do people I, think that? I just always had a, a more mature look about me of some sort, I guess. I have no idea. It's the maybe the, the facial hair I have literally, mm. or maybe my overall behavior. I have zero idea. Um, but um, so I've always accepted that I was perceived differently from the outside than, than I am actually really am. And for sure, perceived differently from how I feel inside as well, which is uh, definitely... Um, not not my late 40s approaching 50 um that's that's for sure the um, getting older is really quite unavoidable isn't it so it is it's uh, it's, <laughs> a, it's an old uh, it's an old joke is you know i much prefer getting older than the alternative of not yeah, getting exactly. older anymore right <laughs> so it's uh, being dead so so that's uh, that's fine by me and um the happiness element and uh, I'm, I'm I hate the gym I positively hate the gym I tried p- pretty much every boxing cycling spinning uh, weightlifting anything you can possibly imagine I, I gave it two minutes and it's simply not for me um, yeah the, the balance for me comes more from a more introspective 
um, give me a cigar and an age whiskey, and I'll I'll be very very happy with that. That that will make me yeah, that will reset me for the for the evening and for the for the week to come. So yeah, quite a different approach to to life overall for sure. It's it's really interesting, that, you know, and and perhaps it's why you two work so well together. There's a really nice sort of yin and yang to to a lot of things about you, isn't there? Maybe sort of your approaches, but I guess it works works well together. Can you imagine if I had my own 90 minutes routine in the morning? <laughs> we'd never get any work done or suddenly it would be some kind of like arms race to, oh, mine is now 95 minutes now. Oh, I've added another ingredient. It's 98 minutes. I mean, how well, long you does know, it take to, to smoke a cigar, Laurent? <laughs> is that 90 minutes? <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much, pretty much. But you don't do that in the morning. Those work guys who... Um, you know, sort of have a business meeting on the treadmill together. I just couldn't imagine anything worse than, you know, that kind of stuff. Like, hey, let's let's strategize as we run or do weights and stuff. This just sounds horrendous. I think that's quite, <laughs> you know, at least you've got your your own things that you do and that, that make you happy. So if if Lauren's happiness comes from a fine cigar and a and a whiskey, how about you, Chris? What 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 are the things you know, spontaneously that you would say would make you happy? The thing that makes me the happiest is singing. So I sing in a, 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 a sort of a cappella pop quest. Think Glee. Think, you know, Glee. And I know a yeah. 50 year old man running around on pitch, stage is probably the last thing you want to think about. Yeah. Yeah. Pitch, and pitch, pitch perfect. perfect. Totally. <laughs> that, I'm Fat Amy of Pitch Perfect. Um, the Aussie. Aka Fabulous and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and again, talking about, you know, meditation and stuff like that, I can't do it. So, when I'm singing, it's the only time I stop thinking and, and, and it's about thinking of others. For me, singing is about, especially in a cappella, you have to tune in with everyone else. So it's about being part of the whole. Mm -hmm. And I love that. I, I just think, and I, I hate doing solos. I hate being out front. I just love blending with everyone else. And that, and I sing for a couple of hours every Monday night. And it's like the thing that sets me off for that and gym. If I can get that in, then I will be extremely happy for the rest of the week. It fills me up. Right. And what, what's your vocal? Um, are you a, you a so tenor? So I'm a te tenor. I'm a top tenor, which is slightly higher. Um, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it just brings me so much joy. Do you do pop stuff? Or yeah, so, or so we mostly, it's exactly like Pitch Perfect. We sing pop songs that have been rearranged to acapella. Yeah. Yeah. But you don't have to do all the kind of mad dance cheerleading bits and all that as well. I mean, he does. He does. He does. <laughs> we try. You don't uh, have to say. Dude, is there some moves? Varying degrees of success. <laughs> <laughs> I am the oldest one in the choir, yeah, so I am the, probably the, the least uh, flexible, shall we say. <laughs> we can all get tickets to uh, Chris's next show. Please, please come along. <laughs> Well, Chris, Lauren, thank you so much for um, for coming on the podcast today. It's been it's been so great to to connect again and to hear a bit more about Austin's. I should say as well, we talked about Austin's fragrances, but there's there's candles, isn't there as well? We yes, really, we've we, we yeah. our whole career Quite has new. been in candles for other people's brands from Diptyque to Cetrudon and Fornicetti, and so finally to be able to launch our own candles under the Austin's brand has been such a joy. Um, and that that is out literally this this week. So you've you've hit us at the right time. Not that we're trying to plug anything here. I feel like we're no, in a late no. show, and I'm about to plug <laughs> yeah. my, my new movie. Hold, you know, hold the book up. Yeah, yeah. No, they the the candles are, are beautiful, and what I'll do in the show notes is is obviously link to 
some of the products that Chris and Lauren have talked about and also how you can find out more about Austin's. But um, for now, thank you both so much. Enjoy the rest of your day and um, hope to see you both soon. Great to see you, Hayden. Thank, thank you. you. Take, you take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. My thanks to Lauren and Chris there from Austin's. Um, I don't know about you, I, f- I found that really really interesting as I said at the beginning it's one of my favorite fragrance brands anyway but um, really fascinating to, to hear more from the founders and, and particularly Chris's honesty there about um, sort of adolescent skincare and, and acne and you know how it affected him but how he's got to a place now where he's so much happier in his skin quite literally and and you know the products he uses uh, I certainly found that really 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 useful if you want to find out more about Austins, you can do. Their website is austins.com, and that's O-S-T-E-N-S, O-S-T-E-N-S, austins.com. Uh, and on Instagram, you can find them at austins, O-S-T-E-N-S, underscore official. That's austins underscore official. Um, I do implore you to, uh, to to have a look at the, the fragrances and the candles they have in their range. Beautiful, beautiful products um as i said in 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 the podcast with with ingredients as the star of the show um and i'm sure you'll find something that you'll like there and if you ever get the chance to go to the showroom in central london if you're ever this way in the uk um it's it's a fascinating experience and and you'll likely get to talk directly to chris or lauren about the range and and you know hear it from them themselves So thanks to Chris, thanks to Lauren, and thanks to you for joining me on Man in the Mirror podcast this week. And I'll see you again soon. Take care.